Today's podcast is brought to you by Howie's new book, Paperboy. To order today, go to HowieCarshow.com and click on store. Live from the Aviva Trattoria studio, it's the Grace Curley Show. we got to bring in a new voice, a young voice, a rising voice, Grace Curley. You can read Grace's work in the Boston Herald and the Spectator. Especially Grace. Grace, stand up. Here's the millennial with the mic, Grace Curley. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Grace Curley Show. Happy Thursday, or as we like to call it here, Friday Junior. That does mean Woker joke at 1.30. We also have some excellent guests today, and it's the first of the month. We are in February, and I'm thrilled to start off my month with all of you. Um, there's obviously a huge local story, which we're going to talk about, but also, just, just in case you have been kind of checked out today, update on the Senate sex tape. Yes, that is a real sentence that I just said. The Senate sex tape that took the internet by storm, there will be no criminal charges. There will be no consequences. Uh, apparently, now we live in a society where if you decide to create a sex tape in the Senate chambers, there's no issue with that. Now, a lot of people are outraged about this on Twitter, and I just thought, well, it's not yet. Yeah, sure. Okay. It, it was a very risque, to put it mildly, sex tape inappropriate yes but it's not like these two men put their feet on nancy pelosi's desk so i don't think we need to be talking jail time just yet we're gonna give you updates on that also big updates on hunter biden because everyone's so focused right now on trump's court filings on some of the cases that he's fighting some of the indictments that he's fighting and that's all well and good i understand it and it's important to follow but because of that, because of the way the media is so slanted to hate Trump and to obsess over Trump, you probably haven't heard a lot about Hunter Biden's cases. And he has a court filing out there that is unbelievable. Jonathan Turley wrote about it. And why wouldn't he? I mean, if you see this court filing, you go, no one else is going to talk about this. No one else is going to talk about how the president's son is comparing himself to the child of an illegal alien. You want to talk lack of self-awareness? We should do like a March Madness bracket of the uh, lack of self-awareness Olympics. Because I don't understand how someone can have so little self-awareness. I don't know. Hunter might actually top his father at this point. I knew he was going to be more aggressive. His legal team said, hey, we're going on the offensive here. We're not going to take all this stuff lying down. We are going to... We're going to try to make Hunter into a sympathetic character. And I will say, I think they went a little bit overboard. He's, because here's the thing. He's not just a victim. That would be one thing. Like, we, we always hear that Joe Biden's a victim, too. He's a victim of circumstance. These things just happen to Joe Biden. He wants to play the victim fine. But Hunter Biden isn't just a victim. He is the victim. Like, he is... This man compares himself to a Romanov. He... he you name a tragic figure in history, Hunter fully believes that he has had it worse. That he has a right to sing the blues more than anyone else that's ever existed. And like I said, thank God Jonathan Turley dug into this because I don't think I would have caught it. And when you think about it, Trump gets so much grief for saying, you know, there's these people are after me. It's a witch hunt. 
And when you look at how many times he's proven correct, uh, uh, Fannie Willis, Fulton County DA, uh, E. Jean Carroll, I don't know if people caught this. She was at a soiree last night celebrating with members of the media. This is right after she went on Rachel Maddow's program and was giggling and cheering and telling her how she was going to buy her a house in France, Rachel. I'm going to buy you a house in France with the $83 million that she won from or she was awarded from Donald Trump, which she hasn't seen yet. And she's probably never going to see. But this woman was giddy with delight over the fact that she accused Donald Trump of rape 30-something years ago. She didn't name, forget a day or a, a month. She didn't name a year. She started switching up the years back and forth, 94, 95, 96. And when Trump tried to defend himself and said this woman's crazy, and by the way, she's also gone on with Anderson Cooper to describe rape as, or say this, uh, she knows a lot of people think rape is sexy, but she doesn't think it is, or something along those lines. Such a bizarre interview that Anderson Cooper had to cut it off. And so when Trump defends himself against this woman and says, you know, she's not a reliable narrator here, he gets in trouble for defaming her. I I don't even think he would have to say anything because you could just listen to this woman for 10 minutes and you know that she's a little off. But he gets in trouble for defending himself. Now he has to pay her $83 million. And so how does she prove that he was wrong to call her crazy. She goes on with Rachel Maddow and starts talking about buying people fishing rods. And then she has a party with all the members of the mainstream media who are the worst. I know we always say Hillary Clinton's the worst, that she's the serpent. We always play that sound. She's the worst. But I would say the media is the worst. I would say they're actually, they, they beat her on that front. So we have so many things to get to. I wanted to start today with what's happening in Roxbury. Uh, Melnia Cass Recreational Center is being used to house illegal immigrants who are coming in from all over, but specifically from Logan Airport. So Logan Airport was the first stop. Terminal E. And now these illegals are being brought to the recreational center in Roxbury. And I was there this morning, in case anyone was uh, up early. I was there this morning. I was talking to Lawrence Jones from Fox. And it was very early in the morning. It was like 6 o'clock. And it was quiet. But you know what I noticed? It was quiet. And we obviously can't go in the building. We have to, you know, they shoot outside the building. They get the, the backdrop of it. But I noticed that it's very because I've been in other situations similar to this one where you're trying to get a story or you're you're trying to get a sense of what's going on felt very hush hush you know like the signs that said um, closed to the public blocked off any view of what was happening inside everyone's kind of coming in and out very quietly And I just, it's weird that they're doing this great thing and they seem to be, it's it's shrouded in mystery. That part of it's weird to me that everyone's just whispering and then walking in and then, yeah, they're carting in something, but then they leave with something and then it's, it, it gives off a vibe like they don't want the media to be there and they don't want the people, the residents in Roxbury to get upset. Now, I'm here to tell you, too late. It's too late for that. If anyone was reading the Boston Herald, they had some 
phenomenal pictures. And I know Howie must have been so happy because he is always... He is always grilling the Herald about photos and saying, like, you guys got to get here. You got to get there. You got to get photos of this because there's there's plenty of opportunities, especially in Boston. And no one else is getting them. Like the Globe isn't looking for photos of of these kind of events. And I know today how he must have been so happy when he saw those photos because it was protesters in Roxbury holding up signs. Now, some of the signs said, uh, why Roxbury try Wellesley? Another sign that I really liked said, Boston is full. Our kids come last. Why? Now, that question, let's 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 focus on that question. Our kids come last. Why? I'm guessing the person who wrote that sign lives in Roxbury. Now, what Governor Mara Healy, who toured the facility yesterday, what she can't say in between her tearful responses in TV interviews. She can't say the honest answer to that question. Why? Why Roxbury? Why are you choosing this community? Because if she were to answer it honestly, she would have to say, well, the reason we chose Roxbury is because, like always, the wealthy white elitists in the suburbs support this chaos in the abstract, but they don't actually like it or they don't actually want it to affect their communities. That would have to be her response. And of course, you can't say that. You can't answer a question by saying, oh, why? Why Roxbury? Because I'm a massive hypocrite. And so are all of my supporters. We are massive hypocrites. And this is, this is rules for thee, but not for me. This is not in my backyard. Every cliche or, you know, every acronym that people use for the left applies in this situation. Wealthy liberal elites know better. They know better. They know what's best for these communities. So they're going now. Now, I'm about to say a sentence. And if anyone out there, I'll be curious if anyone will catch on what I'm throwing out. Think about the history of Boston. Think about some events in the past that have caused chaos and disruption in communities. Does this sound familiar to you? Wealthy white liberals know better. You can even take out the white. Wealthy liberals know better. So they will disrupt lower income communities in Boston while their backyards remain unchanged. Their lives remain unchanged. Their children's extracurricular activities remain unchanged. But... In order to feel good about themselves and their politics and their agenda, they will take this chaos and hoist it on a totally different community. Does that remind anyone of anything else that we've ever gone through in this city? I'm just curious. Or maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm just, maybe I'm just, I just haven't had enough coffee and I'm just grasping at straws. But it's, it's just, it feels like something we've been through before. And... The craziest part of this, not even the craziest part, because who can really decide what's the craziest part, but the track team, Boston United, that practices, or I should say that practiced at that recreation center, they've now been told they can go to the Reggie Lewis Center, which is a mile down the road. They can use it from 6 to 9 a.m. on Saturdays. That's the window, 6 to 9 a.m. And if, if your window six to nine, that means your kids are getting up at what, like five fifteen, five thirty to get ready. 
And again, this is the message. Like the, the, the people are asking, why us? Why here? Why not Wellesley? Well, because the people in Wellesley don't want their kids getting up at 530 to go practice a mile down the road. They'd rather their kids get to use the facility that they've always used. And and just keep in mind, if you're in Roxbury and this, this ticks you off, the rec center that your kids would typically go to, if it makes you feel any better, it's being used as a symbol of Maura Healy's compassion and generosity. So that's what has to be sacrificed. The rec center your kids would use for track or for skating or, as one woman pointed out today on Fox, just to hang out, just, just a place for them to go. Just know that that's what has to be sacrificed in order for Maura Healy to feel like a good person. In order for Maura Healy to make good on her sanctuary promises. So, you know, it's trade-offs, I guess. It's sacrifices that, I would say sacrifices we all have to make, but it's not everyone. We know that. 844-500-4242. We'll take your calls on this when we come back. I also have great guests planned in regards to this topic, and uh, we are going to get into it. I'm going to read you some of the quotes here, and I, I give major kudos to everyone in Roxbury who's speaking up. And this this is what I find happens is that people start speaking up either A, because, it, well, two reasons. It's, it's not really an either or. One is because it's affecting communities directly. People are seeing the impact. And two, because I do think when your kids get involved, people stop caring so much about coming off a certain way. Like, oh, people are going to call me a xenophobe. Oh, people are going to say that. You really do lose that fear when you realize that your kid is, is missing out on something or having something taken away from them. That's just my theory. I'd love to hear yours. 844-500-4242. I've said it before and I'll say it again. Dr. Houghton of Perfect Smiles is a superb architect. When it comes to dentistry, he is the best at what he does. He fixes your teeth and your smile, but what he really does is he builds the self-confidence of his patients. I love Dr. Bruce Houghton and everybody at Perfect Smiles. Getting your teeth worked on, whether it's completely transformed or just cleaned, it can be a little nerve-wracking. People get people get very nervous about their teeth and about getting their mouth worked on. But if you go to someone you trust, you have nothing to worry about. That's what I love about Dr. Houghton. Not only is he an artist, but he's so gentle. He walks you through it. He takes everything at your own pace. And so if you've thought about this before, you keep putting it off. Don't put it off any longer. It's February 1st. Let's hit the ground running this new month. Call up Perfect Smiles. You can reach them at PerfectSmiles.com. They're located off of Route 3. They've got plenty of parking. Again, it's PerfectSmiles.com. PerfectSmiles.com. Change your smile. Change your life. We'll be right back. Hi, it's Toby from Cape Gunworks. I'm taking all your firearm and self-defense questions every Tuesday. Join Grace and me for 2A Tuesday. Tuesdays at 2 p.m. This is the Grace Curley Show. I read a quote today, again in the Herald, they're doing a good job with this, about Maura Healy and how she's determined to make sure that all of these groups and all of these, you know, sports and things like that, that they will be 
that they will be taken care of and they will find other places to practice or to go to. And at the end of it, she says something like, and I, I'm hoping that this will actually be a good thing or like there'll be some good will come out of this. And I was thinking, I'm hoping that too. I'm hoping that you're such a disaster as a governor that maybe some people who aren't that politically inclined will figure out that they have to stop voting for Democrats. That would be a silver lining. But I don't think that you're going to convince these parents that kicking their kids out to make way for 300 illegal alien families is somehow in the long run, you know, we're all going to be better off, according to Maura Healy. Lou, you're up next on the Grace Curley Show. Go ahead, Lou. Okay, Grace, I got a few points to make, so please. Uh, let, indulge me for a couple of seconds. But sure. first, I have to. The, press, the pressing question I have right now Martha's Vineyard is safe, right? And Obama's mansion is safe for the time being? Yes. Correct? Okay. I'm, yes. I'm glad to hear that. I'm glad to hear that. That's still off the, out of bounds when it comes to this kind of thing. Okay. Basically, what I'm trying to say is this thing is, is essentially progressivism in a nutshell, from the WEF on down. That's all they, they only care about protecting the elites and, and their supporters and voters. But, you know, the rest of us, the poor, the middle class people, the working class people and the poor people, let them eat bugs, right? Let them eat bugs. And that's, that's essentially what, what, what they're doing here. If they wanted them to have a place to practice, why does she make Harvard open to them? They have gyms, they have things like that, correct facilities. And, and, but they wouldn't even house them at Harvard. They wouldn't house them at MIT, uh, or any of these other places. They have to put them in Roxbury because it's the poor, the middle class have to suffer. Now, a lot of the times these, Suburban women all vote for Democrats really because they're untouched by the policies of the Democrats. But soon they may be when they have to put migrants in the places that they live. But we all know that this is progressivism. The elites live on one level. They, they, they buy their climate, uh, they, they buy their carbon credits because it's like, you know, they can pay for them, but the rest of us all have to suffer from any of the policies that they do. And I hope the people in Boston and in Roxbury learn the lesson of their modern progressivism and liberalism. It's not what it used to be. They don't care about the poor. They only care about their policies and protecting themselves. Yeah, and, and Lou, two things I want to say in response to that. Well, first of all, thank you for calling and great call, but your first point about Martha's Vineyard, I don't know if you know this, but that's now being classified by the Biden administration as a low-income area because they're trying to give them tax breaks. Maybe we can EV breaks. I'm sorry, not tax breaks, EV tax breaks. Um, and uh, we'll talk about that in a little bit. But the second thing you just said And it takes me right back to COVID because we're talking about how these kids and these lower income communities are affected. And I remember talking to my dad and my dad said to me during COVID, he said, you know, if you were in school when COVID was going on, if you were in like elementary school, he said, mom would have had a tutor come in and you would have, you know, you have the big backyard and and you would have been okay. Like you would have been okay. We would have, you know, we would have managed. He said, if COVID had happened when I was a kid, my dad grew up in Southie, he said, we we just wouldn't have done any, we wouldn't have gone to school, we would have gone to the basketball court, we would have played basketball all day. There, there would be nothing for us really to do, because there was like eight kids in a tiny apartment in the projects. And I remember him telling me that, and I thought, it's so true. It's it's like the the vulnerable and the people who don't have the means are the ones who have to deal with the repercussions for the stupidity and for all these great ideas from the liberals. 
And this is what now you're seeing in Roxbury. These kids aren't going to be able to go use this center because Mara Healy is such a virtue signal, signaling wonderful person. We'll talk about it when we come back. Live from the Aviva Trattoria studio. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin gave his first address since the very bizarre incident where he was off. He was not in the office because he was having surgery. And then it came out at first he said elective surgery. Then it came out that it was for it was cancer treatment. And the whole thing was just very vague and very confusing and now i guess this is from newsmax he said he never directed anyone on his staff not to tell the white house he'd been hospitalized and takes full responsibility for keeping president joe biden in the dark for weeks that he'd been diagnosed with prostate cancer now i have a couple of questions and i'm sure i'm sure given the level of curiosity that our media has that our crack scribes in the press briefing room, always have. And they're probably not in the press briefing room today. Maybe they were. Maybe in the Pentagon. I'm sure that somebody asked, is anyone going to get fired for this? Because in my mind, and perhaps I'm just too much of a simpleton, because I really don't understand this whole bringing in illegal aliens and kicking out the young kids who want to you know, practice track. I don't really get that part yet of the grand scheme of things. So there's a lot of things I'm probably are just going over my head. And so you can call me crazy here. I don't manage people. I don't have it. I'm an employee. I don't have employees. So maybe there's some method to this madness. But I would have to think that if Lloyd Austin's telling the truth and knowing this administration, that's a big but. But if he's telling the truth and he didn't tell anyone in his staff not to tell Joe Biden or the White House about his upcoming surgery, then in my mind, that means somebody dropped the ball. That mean that that means that there was somebody who in their long list of responsibilities, somewhere in there is let Joe Biden and the White House know that Lloyd Austin's gonna be off for Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. Like somebody had to be in charge of that Google calendar. Jared, we are on a radio show, and if you're off next month, I have an update on it. I know what's ha- I know who's coming in, who's filling in for you. I know who's going to be on the board. And I think what we do is is important, but I, I wouldn't say it's defense secretary level of important. Well, even that statement just encapsulates this administration. I never instructed anybody not to tell the White House. Did you instruct somebody to <laughs> tell the White House? That's because that's the other question I have. Active voice, defense secretary. Active voice. No, you're 100% right. You're 100% right. It's like, okay, now that we know what you didn't do, let's go over what you did do. And nobody would be mad. Like, okay, you, you've been diagnosed with prostate cancer. We all are hoping that he's doing well and that you're feeling good and that you uh, you have access. I'm sure he has access to great medical care and that they were able to to get on this very quickly. But the part that I'm confused about is, again, it comes back to this, like, secrecy. It's very, very weird. 
And then even their response, it's like, okay, so if I, in a hypothetical world, in a world where I was a boss, okay? Not boss in the, you know, I'm a boss. Because in that way, I am a boss. But a boss, like, I'm actually an employer, okay? And I, and I have employees, and this happens. And I, Jared, am going off for a week, okay? I'm going off for a week, and I say, I guess I don't tell any of the employees not to tell you that I'm going away for a week. And then I come back, and this whole thing erupts, okay? This whole thing is a scandal. I think I would sit down with the employees and I would say, not in a mean way, but I would say, who was supposed to, because you have to assume somebody was told, like, okay, you are the one who's going to tell the White House. I would just go around simply and say, so whose job was it? Who dropped the ball? That's all you have to say. Who dropped the ball? And if no one comes forward, then you have a real issue. If no one's willing to say, I am Spartacus, and kind of fall on their sword, then you have an issue. But someone should be held responsible. Is it the worst thing in the world? No. There's, there's definitely been worse things in this administration that people have survived. But that's part of the problem is that no one ever gets fired for anything, like big or small. You can lie. You can forget things. You can start wars. You can steal luggage. Oh wait, no, you th- that that one, that one did get into a little bit of trouble. That that person, but in general, there's just there's no accountability. And it's it's a disturbing sign for this administration, even more than anything else. You used to have a boss who would call these silos, like each department is its own silo, and they don't communicate with each other. And this indicates to me that the Department of Defense is in its own world. The White House is in its own world. The Pentagon is in its own world. And there's, I mean, there's some loose association with each other. But this would be like a football team where the the offensive coordinator and the defensive coordinator don't game plan together at any point. Like, And Jared, if a few days off, if a few sick days slip through the cracks, I shudder to think... And we've actually seen it in the last couple of days, so we know. But I shudder to think what else is going wrong. If this is going wrong, if a simple add it to the Google Doc, add it to the calendar situation manages to elude all these people and they're all running around with chickens with their heads cut off. What else is happening? Like what what else? What should we trust you with? Because we can't trust you with the simple communication between one department and the other about who's going to be off on which days. So I'm not really sure if we should feel comfortable throwing everything else at you. Just an idea. By the way, I I wanted to give everyone an update on a comment that Trump made. And oftentimes you talk about how certain things age pretty well for Donald Trump. I think uh, the UNRWA situation has definitely aged well for Donald Trump. He wanted to defund it. He did defund it in 2018. And he got so much pushback from people, especially in the media. People were just aghast at the fact that Donald Trump would do something like that. But something else that I just thought of, and and I actually first let me read you this headline about this is from uh, 2018. Okay, UNRWA. It's by Patrick Shapit. And it's from the New York Times, the old gray lady. And it's an opinion piece. And it was right after Trump cut funding 
to the agency. And now we find out, Jared, that a lot of people in this agency have family members who are part of terror groups, have connections to terror groups. And this is what Patrick wrote. Does Trump know what the UNRWA does? Cutting funding for an agency that helps Palestinian refugees isn't negotiating. It's cruel. Turns out that what we were funding wasn't helping Palestinian refugees. We were funding a lot of terror by helping fund this. And actually, when you think about it, who knows how much good Trump did by cutting funding to that, even if it was only for a few years before Joe Biden came back in to save the day, before the adults were back in charge. And another thing, since we're on the topic of things aging well for Donald Trump, remember when Donald Trump was talking about illegal aliens? And he said, they're not sending us their best and brightest. And he was destroyed for that. He was ripped to shreds. He was called a xenophobe, a racist, an orange monster, a hateful man. Did anyone catch the story? And I did talk about it yesterday, but really not at length, about the migrants. And this is from the New York Post. They keep using this language, migrants, the illegal aliens who pounded the cops and were caught on camera near Times Square. Did anyone catch catch the photo of one of those illegal aliens leaving the police department today and giving the double bird to the camera? Just an example of how perhaps we aren't getting the best and the brightest. And a follow-up for everyone in a crazy turn of events, in something I definitely did not have on my bingo card, Kathy Hochul is floating the idea of deporting said illegal aliens. The Democratic governor, speaking to reporters, was asked about the shocking beatdown and whether the asylum-seeking suspects should be deported. She said, I think that's actually something that should be looked at. I mean, if someone commits a crime against a police officer in the state of New York and they're not here legally, it's definitely worth checking into. Oh, how many years late to the game is she on that one? Congrats. But again, this is what I'm supposed to say now. As, as a conservative, I'm supposed to go like this. Good for you, Kathy Hochul. She should be our next president. Did you hear what she said? It takes courage. It takes courage to voice that kind of common sense. That if a gang of illegal aliens beat up two police officers, that maybe someone should potentially, possibly, conceivably look into deporting them. Bravo. New York has a brand. Oh, New York has a brand. That is for sure. Uh, 844-500-4242. Let's go to, we got two Daves on the phone, Jared, so it's dealer's choice. Let's go to Dave. Oh, hi, Grace. I I love the show. Um, You think that Lloyd Austin would have been talking to Biden all the time. I mean, what's going on up there? Who's who's watching our nuclear weaponry? I, I just don't even get it. What's going on up there is a disaster. See, I wouldn't think that he would be talking to Joe Biden all the time, but I, I, I would think he'd be talking to the people who make the decisions for Joe Biden all the time. And well, he, he, and he actually has like a real job because I was thinking about this today. I don't know, Dave, if you saw this story. John Podesta, 
who's like a White House campaign advisor or a White House advisor or something. I don't know what he actually does currently for the White House. He's obviously from the Obama years. But John Podesta is now taking on the role of John Kerry (laughs) as climate envoy. I'm sorry. I don't mean to laugh. I know it's very serious stuff. The world is ending after all. we got seven years left, according to AOC. But the reason I'm laughing about this is because I'm reading this headline and he's taking on John Kerry's job, but he's not giving up the current job he has, which, Jared, I'm here to tell you is never a good sign. Like if someone takes over your job and they don't have to leave their current job or make any adjustments, they can just absorb your responsibilities into their current schedule. Either A, the job that they're currently at, they're not doing diddly squat, or B, you do absolutely nothing, so they're just throwing it into their LinkedIn resume and everything's remaining pretty much unchanged. Now, which one do you think it is? It's probably a healthy combination of both. Podesta probably does a whole lot of nothing, And he's taking on another job where he might get a nice little boost in his pay, but it's also a whole lot of nothing. And that's a situation where I go, that's, that's, you don't have to worry about it. Like he's the climate envoy. He's got to fly around on some private planes, go to a couple summits, talk to Bill Gates, talk to Meghan and Harry, but there's no real, there's nothing really at stake there besides the end of the world and all that stuff and the giant clock in Times Square. But when you're talking about Lloyd Austin, to Dave's point, there's there's a few things going on right now in regards to Iran. And he assured us, by the way, in this same meeting where he talked about his his weird scheduling debacle, he assured us that we are not at war with Iran. And this is all while Joe Biden keeps telling people that he's made a decision on how we're going to respond to Iran. He's just, you know, we're making it, he's making it on his own time or something like that. It's, it's, it definitely, it definitely makes you wonder, one, who's in charge, and two, how this is all going to end. Because you have so many people who have no idea what they're doing. 844-500-4242. By the way. One of the textures made a great point. And to the other, Dave, stay there because we will get to you. One of the textures made a great point and said um, that he thinks, let me get the actual thing. He thinks they're sending Joe Biden to East Palestine as a way to sabotage. And I did say that yesterday, Jared. I said, this is such a terrible idea that I'm starting to wonder if someone has it out for Joe Biden at the White House. But this is 617. The Optics of Joe Biden going to East Palestine are so bad. I wonder if the Dem deep state is setting him up so they have another arrow in their quiver for reasons to replace him with Newsom or Michelle. 617, you're on to something, but at the same time I look at that and I go, how many arrows do you need in your quiver before you can decide, okay, Joe, you have to step aside? Like, have they not been watching him? I don't think we need... To gather more evidence as to why Joe Biden isn't the sharpest tool in the shed. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like there's a preponderance. Is that the right word? Preponderance of evidence. You always say I'm not a legal beagle, Jared, but I don't know. I'm getting there slowly but surely. But really, they're, they're, they're waiting. They want to send him to East Palestine so they can really make sure people know how out to lunch he is. The American people are going, we believe you. We've seen it. 
We get it. Message received. We'll be right back. I want to talk to the other callers, and I want to read this story about John Podesta, which just really gave me a nice chuckle this morning. I needed it. You know, sometimes you just need a good laugh. Nossip Beach Inn just opened reservations for winter getaways. And Jared, you stayed at the Nossip Beach Inn. This is a perfect time of year to do it. And if if someone were headed there right now, I'd be, I mean, right now is a great time. It's, it's, everything's slowing down a little bit. It's that post-holiday slowdown where you can get a little bit, I don't know, people get bored. People get stuck in an old routine. You want to do something fun for yourself. You want to plan something to look forward to. And this is such a great place to look forward to going because they have so many options for you. If you want to go into town and enjoy Cape Cod in the off season, perfect. But if you just want to get cozy and stay right there, stay on the beach, you've got everything you need. Yeah. I mean, if you need, you know, six days away from work without telling your boss or you just need some PTO, it's the perfect place to go. And... I don't want to get under myself, but we're into February, which means winter is coming to an end fairly soon. It's almost truck day. So take advantage of this now, the winter rates. This is your last chance to do it. And being down on the Cape in the winter is fantastic. The, you have all the privacy you need on the beach. Your steps from the beach in your room. It's pet friendly. You can bring your dog. You walk along the beach. They have fire pits if you want to sit outside, drink your morning coffee, and watch the sunrise. My wife and I did that. We loved it. it. Nauset Beach Inn is so tranquil. And take advantage of these rates now. Yeah, you definitely want to check it out. Go to NossetBeachInn.com. You can stay there for under $200 this winter. That's NossetBeachInn.com. You just reminded me, Jared. Did you hear about what they're trying to do with Punxsutawney Phil? Is it something Bill de Blasio is trying to do with them? Because that sounds bad. No, it doesn't have Bill de Blasio. I don't think it has his fingerprints anywhere on it. But... Hormone therapy? It will make you happy. Oh, okay. As someone oh, who's something an- good. It will, oh. uh, some, something good for you, someone evil who's anti-Punxsutawney Phil, yeah, good for humanity, good for good for all of us, for the culture, no, but good for Jared, <laughs> good for Jared, yes, yes, I would say that. We'll be right back, we'll take your calls, don't go anywhere, this is The Grace Curley Show. The Grace Curley Show will be right back. This is The Grace Curley Show. Today's poll question is brought to you by Colette Tours and the November 16th listener getaway to Iceland with Caroline Levitt. For more information, go to gracecurleyshow.com and click on the listener getaway banner. Jared, what is the poll question and what are the results thus far? Today's poll question, which you can vote in at gracecurleyshow.com is should President Trump's PACs use money for his legal bills? All right, so there was a big story today. Um, I saw it in just the news, but I think it's also at CNBC that Trump has spent a lot of money on these legal fights. And I think now they said in the specific PAC they were discussing that there's only $5 million left. He spent, I think the number I saw was $50 million in some of these legal fights. And of course, there are members of the Republican Party who don't think that's a proper or appropriate use of the money. I actually, this might surprise people who think I'm a disgrace and a rhino, but I actually don't have an issue with him using the money for this because I think people who are donating to Trump super PACs want him to use the money for this. They know this fight is not just his own legal battles. It's part of this political race. 
We have even 60-40 in favor of yes. Oh, very good. All right. We are going to talk to a Roxbury activist when we come back. Don't go anywhere.